Today's episode of the Ed Curation Podcast is sponsored by Emblaze. Do your students engage in real-world learning, such as internships, shadow days, or client projects? Emblaze is a platform that helps educators and students manage each step in the process. Coordinators can grow and curate their school's network of opportunities in a database where students can search, filter, and request. iOS and Android apps make it simple for students to log attendance and allows teachers to quickly see their students' hours and daily goals and accomplishments. You can learn more about Emblaze by visiting edcuration.com and searching Emblaze, I-M-B-L-A-Z-E, also linked in the episode notes. See how you can use the platform that has helped educators track almost 1 million student experience days. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional movements, resources, tools, and practices that are reshaping learning. If anyone knows about Los Angeles, you might know where Tommy's Original Burgers is on Beverly Boulevard. It's about 10 minutes north of downtown Los Angeles, about 10 minutes away from Dodgers Stadium. And New Village is really located kind of at the heart of a lot of gang interaction and violence. That's our guest today, Kyle Denman. I met Kyle at the South by Southwest conference where we both happened to attend the same workshop. And honestly, he only spoke up a few times during the session. But each time my curiosity was piqued. I thought, hmm, this person is interesting. His thoughts and ideas are inspiring. So I connected with him after the workshop and learned that Kyle works at New Village Academy for Girls in Los Angeles, where he wears many hats. Lots and lots of hats. Besides being a teacher, he is the homeless and foster youth liaison. He's the cheer and dance team co-coach. He leads the school's LGBTQ plus initiatives, serves as the enrichment programs coordinator. He plans leaving to learn experiences. And honestly, I lost track. There's more. He might secretly be multiple people because I later learned that Kyle is also a really big deal in the fashion world. Among his many accolades, he is the grand prize winner of the Project Runway Remake It Work Contest and the 2018 Young Fashion Designer of the Year, and so much more. In fact, when we connected for this interview, he had just returned from the Vancouver Fashion Week. We'll talk more about fashion later, I promise, but I was eager to start with New Village and his work there, changing the lives of students, many of whom are facing and overcoming huge challenges like human trafficking, homelessness, drug and substance abuse, and domestic violence. So currently we have a little under 100 students enrolled, and our student population consists of those who, you know, might have academic and social needs that aren't able to necessarily be met at traditional schools. Many of them are involved with the juvenile justice system. Many of them are young pregnant parenting mothers. And some of them are also new arrivals to the United States. By way of context, New Village Academy opened in 2006 and was originally designed for pregnant teens and unwed mothers. In subsequent years, the teen pregnancy rates declined in Los Angeles County. And at that point, New Village opened its doors to any girl wanting or needing a non-traditional or alternative form of education. We welcome any student really you know, needs a space where they want to feel comfortable. So we have students who are trans, we have students who are non-binary or gender questioning. uh, And we want to create a space where 
those students who might be in the LGBTQIA plus community can also find a, a home where there is no judgment. Yeah, that's beautiful. And one of the taglines that is on the New Village website is just that it's a school for girls who have not been successfully served by traditional public schools. And it sounds like what that means is just that they have maybe constraints in their personal life because they're mothers or substance abuse issues or social emotional challenges that mm-hmm. cannot really be successfully accommodated in a mainstream. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Especially in Los Angeles where in a classroom at a traditional high school, you might have upwards of 50 students mm-hmm. at new village. There is typically only about 10 to 15 students per every classroom. Mm-hmm. So we really focus on individualized learning and hands-on instruction. And that's one of the things that really separates us from other schools, in my opinion, is that because we are such a small school, we only have 20 staff for about you know a little under 100 students. Uh-huh. We get to really know each other on a personal level. Yeah. Students don't call me Mr. Denman or even Mr. Kyle. They just call me Kyle. We're here to teach each other and learn from each other as well. Yeah. I love that. This is Sophia, age 11, a student at New Village. I never had a relationship with, like, school staff before. It was more like, okay, you're my boss. Here we have a family relationship with each other. We're so comfortable with each other that we can, like, joke around with each other. And my graves are now A's and B's. How do the girls find you? We'll work with our community partners and referrals. So whether that be the judicial system or probation, or whether that be mental health agencies with which we work, or even just other organizations, community centers around the you know around the area, we even have you know some students who have graduated and have now been referring you know their own neighbors or family friends to the school as well. Um, and it's not just for students who might not excel in traditional education. But it's also designed as a school for students who desire a non-traditional form of education. Even a student who might have been excelling at a traditional school, they might just want something a little bit different, a little bit more fits to what they are passionate about. And so that's also why they'll come to the school once they seek us out. That's so important, Kyle. I mean, I know that my listeners have heard me talk about this before, so sorry if you're one of those listeners, but my my own son is one of those kiddos who he did fine in a traditional high school from the outside, right? So from the outside looking in, he didn't have any substance abuse problems. He didn't have absenteeism. He was getting A's and B's in all of his classes. He didn't cause trouble, you know, but he was miserable. Because mm-hmm, he just mm-hmm. wasn't a mainstream learner. And where is, you know, there just aren't that many programs for those kids who are like, you know, he doesn't actually have a probation officer. He does, you know, right. I mean, that's just not his issue, but he's not a mainstream learner. It just didn't feel meaningful to him. He needed hands-on, contextualized, integrated learning that felt meaningful. So anyway, we moved him. But my point being that. Yes, there needs to be a place for those kiddos who it's not that I'm struggling. It's just that I'm not thriving. And that's what is something really special about New Village is it exists as that place for those students as well. And that's, I think, something so special is no matter where students come from, when they enter the courtyard at New Village, there's no judgment. They, no one cares about, you know, 
what people have experienced in their other schools. They care about who that person is now. And really, it is a very family environment where students and staff alike really genuinely care about each other and really genuinely care about each other's growth. And, and that's something that's really special to see, that there's so much support and love every day. So I want to know how you create that, because the way you're describing it sounds lovely. But then there's the other side of the coin for that I experienced listening to you talk, and I'm guessing some of my listeners as well, thinking, gosh, that's a whole lot of mess to put all in one place <laughs> when you've got, you know, teenage mothers and students with substance abuse and kids who've been through all kinds of trauma and have been involved in gang violence. And that's just a whole lot of messiness. So how do you create that family environment? And what are some of the ways that you and your colleagues work with your students to overcome their trauma and their learning gaps and all of those challenges to create a productive learning environment? Mm -hmm. So I will say that we're very fortunate to have an incredibly supportive board and an incredibly supportive network of community partners who really allow us to make things possible at the village. I will also say that it takes a very special person to work at the school. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot on a daily basis. It's all hands on deck every single day. It's not only the staff and our board and our community partners, but it's the students as well. And I think knowing that, that they have a friend in the adults, students understand, oh, we got to also show up. The fact that we go on weekend trips together on hikes and you know, the fact that we will just create and do art and that the adults are also vulnerable with the students and vice versa. Mm. I think that's something that really helps create that family atmosphere. I think for many of us, we are trying to create spaces that we might not have had growing up. Just like your son, you know, we wanted to create a space where people feel welcomed, not just as learners and as scholars, but as people. I think it ultimately started just because the roots of our school and of each person is based on love. That's beautiful. And it sounds like you guys have created a culture where the students want to be there. Yeah, absolutely. So I you t you said a little bit about how the on, the hands-on learning and the experiential learning is the biggest thing that differentiates you from a more traditional school model, but what is happening in a school day at New Village? Are girls going from class to class like they would be um, what does a school day look like? Yeah, so we're very fortunate to have a really wonderful partnership with the California Science Center. So every Wednesday afternoon, that's when students have their science classes. And they traditionally, before COVID, would get on a bus and go to the museum and would be taught by actual scientists and professors. And they would be doing all these experiments in the middle of a museum, creating explosions in chemistry. I'm going to be honest, I am melting with envy. I mean, this just sounds like the most fun any person could possibly have on an average Wednesday afternoon. New Village leadership reported that over 60% of their recent graduating class went into STEM-related fields, largely due to the leaving to learn and internship experiences. 
This is New Village 12th grader, Simone. I've done the JPL challenge two years in a row. This is my second year, my last year. And this is the first time I actually went to like state finals. It's completely different from just going to like a school to like an actual campus where they do engineering and stuff. And for me, that's amazing because I'm going into mechanical engineering and also art. Even though, yeah, it's a competition, but it's fun to just even like create something that works. Another thing that I think really helps in developing that school culture that is so conducive to learning and to fostering a student's development is we have an advisory structure where each student is given the opportunity to essentially work with an advisor, so a content teacher, for however long that they are enrolled at New Village. And they're with those same students every single year. So that way, you really help develop these relationships in a creates a sense of community, not only as a school, but on a, a smaller level within each advisory. It's a little bit like yeah. a homeroom, but it becomes your learning family, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then beyond that, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings, that's when students have their content classes. I will say that our teachers make learning fun. They really make sure that, yeah, a history lesson is talking about history, what's in the past. But then they're really connecting the dots to what's going on currently. And I really commend all of our teaching staff on really emphasizing you know, this global connection, this social responsibility in their teaching. Alternately, on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, New Village students engage in real-world learning through customized internships that correspond to their interests and curiosity. This is Monica, grade 11, talking about her internship. I started interning at Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center in the pathology department. I'm always looking forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like, it's like I have my scrubs on, I'm coming on the bus with my daughter, and I feel awesome, like professional. And um, like my work attire and like my badge and all that, I'm walking into the hospital. So that's one of my jobs, is when a student enrolls, I ask them, what is it that you're interested in? What are you passionate about? Or what do you want to learn more about? They might tell me, I'm interested in baking. Okay, then let's get you an internship at a bakery. So that way you not only get to learn the technical skills of baking, but then you get to learn about the business. And that way, by the time that student graduates from New Village, they'll have four years of work experience already on their resume. So that when they're applying to college or going directly to the workforce or whatever it may be, they're prepared. Yeah. And they also find out really early on if that's not what their passion is, in fact, right? Like when exactly. they're in the field and think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I hate this. They haven't spent four years getting a degree in that thing before they... Exactly. It's very, very risk-free. Just so cool to see them growing up so quickly before your eyes when a student wasn't able to even draft an email. And now by the time when they're graduating, is writing so professionally, is standing up in front of hundreds of people speaking. To see where that student originally comes from when they're a freshman to then when they're graduating, that's something really special to see, no matter what their background may be. Yeah, so fulfilling. I mean, they they come out of high school ready to run a business. So you said that that is one of your jobs. I wear many, many hats. So many hats. But the role that you were just describing, I think, is the Enrichment Programs Coordinator. That's actually the Learning Through Internships Coordinator position. I actually oh. just 
I just got that position right before I met you, maybe two weeks before oh. one of my one of my colleagues uh, left to go to to another school. So I took that role on. So, so are the, you both of those are you yes, in program and holy cow, are there secretly five of you? I, <laughs> I, I wish there were. I'm confounded. Um, okay, so can you tell about both of those two different roles then and how those yeah. yeah. So starting off with the learning through internships or learning through interest coordinator position, LTI for short, uh, the LTI coordinator um, really helps students get ready for their careers. And so that's setting them up on internships, preparing them for work readiness, developing a whole curriculum around being professional and whatever that may look like for them. Because professionalism inherently is a pretty, uh, I guess, like, it's, it's a very relevant term, but also very different depending on what industry you're going into. And people don't just absorb it by osmosis, right? We, right. It must be taught. And for a student to understand that, okay, I have a voice and a place in this world. I need to be heard and I need to be seen, especially for our students who might not have access to a lot of opportunities that I might have had access to growing up. Through our partnership with another organization, I'm actually able to pay those students who might be eligible as well. So that way, they're not only gaining real-world work experience in the field that they're passionate about learning, but then they're also being they're also able to bring back a paycheck. Okay. So it's really prepping them for their careers and also engaging them in learning beyond the classroom. And that kind of ties a little bit more into the enrichment programs coordinator position, which is why I, I do take on those responsibilities. Part of the enrichment coordinator position is really kind of developing all these fun programs for students. We don't call them extracurriculars at New Village. We call them enrichment programs because we don't think they should be extra. Right. And so I get to be in charge of all of that. So when I teach art, that's after school for after school uh, program or through an internship. It's really cool to see students staying after school every day because they want to stay at school. We just visited the Banksy exhibition in March. That was so cool to see, you know, this street artist, this genius or vandal, depending on what you may think, mm -hmm. all of this person's work, but then also creating a conversation. Hey, so if you like me are wondering, how does Kyle manage all of this? Today's sponsor, Emblaze, has the answer. Hey, everybody. I'm Wilson from Emblaze. Emblaze comes to you from the nonprofit Big Picture Learning, where for over 20 years, our mission has been to activate the power of students, schools, and communities. In service of that mission, we started Emblaze when we saw two problems we felt technology could help address. First, educators had difficulty managing a truly personalized, community-based internship program. How do you find enough sites to match up to each student's interests? And even if you manage to do that, how do you track if students successfully made it to their internship sites when every student is going someplace different? It's a lot to do by hand and faith. And perhaps because of this, we saw a second common problem. Far too many students involved in real world learning weren't given choice or voice about their opportunities. So we wanted to make it easier to do these things. If you're new, or easier to keep doing it if you have a rich history like Kyle and New Village do. Because once you solve those two problems and students are able to routinely get into their community and do meaningful work with powerful mentors, we see all kinds of benefits. 
college persistence skyrockets. Student self-concept transforms. Academics improve. We see it over and over again. Frankly, it's incredible. You can find Imblaze, I-M-B-L-A-Z-E, at edcuration.com and learn more about easily and seamlessly managing internships, apprenticeships, community Also, if you'd like to learn more about big picture learning and their network of experiential learning schools, you might want to check out their annual Big Bang Conference. This year's theme is A Radical Reset which is something we all need. And the conference takes place in South Florida, July 24th through 27th. You'll find a link to the registration page where you can learn more in the episode notes. It's going to be a blast. And now back to more fun with Kyle. So every month on a Friday, we have what's called a wellness day. And that is a day where we get to just have fun. I don't think that is something emphasized at most places in my opinion. Not enough, for sure. And it's funny because there's a lot of new research coming out about the science of play and Mm -hmm. incorporating play and how much we need play. And you just think, why do we have to study this? Haven't we known this? (laughs) Don't we know this all along? I want to hear about the details of one of your wellness Fridays. Let me talk about the November one. Okay. So we did a couple activities in the morning where students got to engage in thankfulness uh, activities. So maybe it was writing letters of gratitude to each other or to themselves, or maybe it was creating a gratitude jar where they wrote different things that they were thankful about and putting put in them in a jar. So that way when they were feeling down, they could open the jar up. We also took a trip to Griffith Observatory where we did a photo contest where students were divvied up into teams uh, that were led by an adult and they had to take pictures and enter a, con- a competition where, you know, we judge them based on, you know, most photogenic picture or, you know, most creative or funniest. Mm. And then afterwards, students went back to school and we created a gratitude tree um, that's currently in my office. And then we also work with this organization called Period Project LA which is student-run organization of which many of our students are actually part. And we created hygiene packets uh, specifically for menstrual products for those who might be unhoused. So again, going back to how are we thankful? You know, what can we do now with our own privilege that we may have to help those who may not have that privilege? So there's a lot of social, I I would say awareness in the wellness programming that I do, Mm -hmm. Uh, but also it's fun. We we might create murals. Maybe the first wellness day of the year is just emphasizing being back together after the summer and creating a sense of community. So that might be a lot of fun. Art projects. Kyle says he's not afraid to get silly. That didn't surprise me. On one of the New Village Wellness Days, he organized an Olympic-style grape tomato throwing competition among the different advisory groups. When was the last time you participated in some group craziness just for the fun of it? I mean, after the last couple of years, don't we all need some of that? There are two adults in each advisory. One adult was at one end of the courtyard and another adult was at the other end of the courtyard. Students were all in between them. And from one adult to the other, we had to toss great tomatoes to each other. And at the end of the time limit, we would see which advisory happened most. And we had multiple rounds of that. And it was so silly, but it was so much fun. Yeah. 
I mean, that that is where you bond because it's where it's where all of our inhibitions come down. It's where we let our masks drop. If any of you who are listening ever comes to New Village, you very well might see me with students dancing and singing at lunch. So you get to create all of those kinds of fun experiences. So a couple of weeks ago, I planned a leaving to learn to uh, the Holocaust Museum. So that took place during uh, both of the world history classes. So okay. that was a little bit easier to you know to necessitate and to plan, uh, but. You know, there might be times when I take students out of advisory periods to then go off to these experiences. And I might take them in small or large cohorts, depending on, you know, how far students are along their work. And that's a good incentive to say, hey, you got to stay on top of your work so that way you can get off campus and do all these fun things. Okay. I was going to say, so they still, they kind of have to earn their spot in those. They have to both Mm -hmm. opt in and also be eligible. Yes. Okay. Um, did you create these structures? Did they exist prior to you coming to New Village or is it a little bit of both? So the Leaving to Learn specifically and the internship program, those existed before I came to New Village. And those are two key components of the big picture learning model. Mm-hmm. Big picture learning is project-based and student interest driven. Uh, and New Village Girls Academy is a big picture learning school. So I'm really fortunate that those already existed. Um, and I think with every group of staff each year, we try and evolve what currently exists, especially depending on the specific needs of each cohort of students. Uh, I think each group of students every year looks very differently and their needs are very different from each other uh, year after year. So how do we adapt to make sure that we're able to foster as much learning and creativity and empathy as possible um, through, you know, through the big picture model, but making it our own. So I'm curious, what is the, with the internships, does every student do an internship or is it optional? And how do you go about arranging those? Is it, do you just have to start reaching out? Like I got to find a bakery for this girl. Yeah, so every student is required to be on an internship okay. all four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it really depends on each student. So if there is an internship partner that currently exists, then that student might interview for a spot there, or they might just sign up. I really want to expand that network of internship partners. So for me, it's making a lot of cold calls with students. And I have a student who's working very closely with me to help create these partnerships for her classmates. What are some of the most interesting or unique internships that you've been able to arrange? Because there are jobs out there that nobody has has even imagined, right? Yeah. So a couple of our past internship partners, we've worked with Netflix and the Discovery Channel. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite internship partners this year is a bicycle shop. And they create and fabricate bicycles out of recycled parts. We have three students interning there right now. But what I love so much is that the mentors there are not only teaching these students how to build a bicycle, they're teaching them how to ride a bicycle. They're teaching them how do we have a social responsibility of riding a bike, especially in the city of Los Angeles where pollution and traffic is already so inundated. I've also started internship partners for the fall semester in a woman-run video game company a landscape architecture firm, and also an emotional support dog training organization. 
So I'm really trying to diversify things as much as possible and just get as many random internship experiences as possible to, to really enrich our students' lives. So cool. I mean, I really see how you must be so eager to get out of bed in the morning with yes. all of the interesting things that you get to do and the people you get to meet. So I asked you a little while ago if you're secretly five people because of all the things you do. And something that our listeners don't even know yet is that you also have this second career as a very successful fashion designer. Um, In fact, you were named International Designer of the Year in 2021. So congratulations. In fact, you just returned from Fashion Week in Vancouver. And so I'm wondering how, first of all, how do you balance your career as a successful fashion designer with your all of your different roles at New Village? And do those worlds overlap? So it's definitely hard to balance things. When I get home from working at New Village, I am sewing. I am draping fabric. I am designing. I'm working with clients. So it's definitely tiring. But I think what's so special is that even though I might be physically exhausted at the end of the day. I am so emotionally fulfilled in both facets of my life. I love working with my students. I love designing. So really, I feel very fulfilled at the end of the day. I am really fortunate also that there is quite a bit of overlap. So that's actually how I found New Village is I was actually a mentor for a fashion program through the internship program. So I was brought in as a mentor to lead a fashion program on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons to teach students how to sew and design. Uh And after about a year of doing that, New Village offered me a full-time job because I have a background in political science as well. So they said, oh, okay, you know, you can bring in both skill sets. But I'm really fortunate that my students, like you said, are my family now. And they're honestly my biggest supporters in my fashion career. And probably my biggest critics, but in the best way, because when they give me criticism, it's always constructive criticism. And I trust their judgment probably more than anyone else. So I look to them first for advice. Uh, back in September of 2021, I actually showed a collection in New York Fashion Week. And that was a huge deal for me, showing on a global stage. And my students always gave me feedback. They were with me during my fittings in Los Angeles before I left to New York. And they even created all the jewelry that models wore on the runway. So yeah, there's a lot of overlap. But I I think what's so special is that I can show them a little bit of my world and they can show me a little bit of theirs too. And it sounds like they're very invested in the work that you're doing and that they're sharing your success in many ways because they've participated in the process. Absolutely. Even when I was gone for New York Fashion Week, I got a text in our group chat every single day, making sure that I was safe and I was having a good time. And that was the first time in a long time I'd been away from them. So uh-huh. they were worried about me. I was worried about them. We missed yeah. each other. So it was something really special. I'm sure they were keeping all kinds of tabs on everything that was happening with you. Um, so you you majored in political science, you're primarily an artist, and you have this passion for politics and law. How do all of these different interests feed into your work at with your students? Yeah, so 
a lot of people have asked me this, and I never really had a great answer for it until a couple of years ago when one of my professors from political science told me, well, political science is the study of people, and fashion is the way people communicate. And so I was like, that's, that's brilliant. And I think fashion nowadays specifically is inherently political. I think fashion is so special because it is a form of communication and expression, but it also exists, you know, at this, at the center of political, social, and cultural context that I think really resonates with my students because they also exist just based on who they are, you know, the bodies that they were born into. They also exist at that center of political, social, and cultural contexts. And so I think there's a lot of parallelism, you know, between working with my students and also working in fashion. And I think seeing my students learn how to communicate through their clothes, but also learning how to technically make stuff, right? A student who might have been unhoused when I met her, who had five shirts and a pair of jeans, is now making all her own outfits. That's really cool. But she's also learning her place in the world of she's talented. She's artistic. She has a lot of value to add to the world. Let's just take that a little bit further and have you share some of your favorite success stories. One student who I just mentioned, she was referred to us by a mental health agency. And I had met her in April of 2020. So right after the pandemic had started. And at the time, she was unhoused. She's incredibly artistic. She had been out of school already on her own for a year. She had been at five other high schools prior to New Village. You know, she was never a trouble student, so people didn't pay attention. She was a student who has loved art, who has just been blossoming in her creativity and sewing specifically. She's a fashion designer. She really is. And just to know that, again, now she's creating all her own outfits. She's creating items for other people. She is going off to college. And I remember on April 30th of 2021, that was her very first day back in a classroom in over two years. Not just because of the pandemic, but because other schools had failed her. And so that is something so special to me. Another student I've been with all four years. She just got a Posse scholarship. So she's going to Bucknell University. We have similar upbringings in the sense that we're both adopted. Neither of us are white and we're adopted by white families. And that's something, you know, that's a connection with someone that I've never really been able to establish before her. That's a student who I'm going to miss very, very much. And but a student who I'm going to be so proud at seeing when she walks across that stage. So exciting. In addition to all of the other accolades and recognition that you've, um, that you've gained through your fashion career, you were also named one of the 30 under 30 changemaker in education by the National Alliance of Public Charter Schools. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you. With all of your different talents and interests and all of the different directions you could be going career-wise, why would you say that you have chosen to spend your days with students in classrooms, especially at this time when so many teachers are leaving the profession and searching for opportunities outside of education? What keeps you there? The students. 
Yeah. They're my best friends, honestly. Two of them, as silly as it is, they call me their dad. And well, I am definitely not old enough to be their dad by any means. But you're um, a role model in their life. It's yeah, it, it's something really special, uh, especially because for those two students, they don't actually have father figures. Yeah. And so to act, you know, as some kind of support for them, whether, whatever that may be, is something really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of your inspiring stories and the great work that you and New Village are doing in the world. New Village is part of the International Big Picture Learning Network of Schools, providing a structure and resources for school transformation and real-world learning. You can learn more about Big Picture Learning and their annual Big Bang Conference. You can also learn about New Village Academy for Girls and Kyle Denman through the links in the episode notes. You'll also find the platform that makes it all possible, today's sponsor, Imblaze. Brandon Felice, a junior at the Met Providence, had this to say about Imblaze. With Imblaze's app, you're able to document when you arrive and when you leave, and it's made it really easy to communicate with my advisor. There's a lot of connections already established by past students. Imblaze puts it all in one system, and you're able to pick what you want. It helps our school act like a beacon and helps students envision futures that aren't just the ones given to them. Find Imblaze at edcuration.com, where you can create your own personalized dashboard to collect and compare instructional resources, tech tools, and professional learning opportunities. We're grateful that you joined us for this episode. Please like, rate, and review, and join us again next week for another episode of Reshaping Learning on the Ed Curation Podcast. Podcast.